Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On board this aircraft, there are six emergency exits. Hello, everybody. This is Ron, your captain speaking. We are currently 30,000 feet in the air, and we haven't even left the airport. We just lit the joint. <laughs> just getting a little, little pilot humor there. We like to have fun. Our destination today is Casablanca, Morocco. So everyone, sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and prepare for takeoff. We will be arriving in six hours and 50 What's going on, Seven Footers gang? It is your girl, Jenna, here, and Gerard, back for another steaming hot episode of the Seven Footers Gang. And I say that, Gerard, because we're starting off this week with some some juicy some juicy beefs, mm-hmm, potentially. Mm-hmm. I think this might be the start of a new segment. Like, what's the beef? What's the beef? You got beef for your sandwich? You could tell we're still trying to figure it out. I don't know if it's a new segment, per se. Uh, you know, as much as... What is beef in the immortal words of the late great philosopher Christopher Wallace, right? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> let's, you know, it, it's not that serious, right? Ain't nobody need any gats out here in the streets to handle these kind of beefs. But it is interesting um, what's happening um, in, in the NBA world right now in terms of quote unquote beefs. But let's get into it. Yes, big facts. And also props to you for the Christopher Wallace well, listen, uh, reference. Listen, you're listen, you're going straight listen, up in the bread on the pod. Listen, come on now. You gotta just, that was easy. That was a softball. It was right there. I, I had to take it. <laughs> oh, that's that's what we categorize that as. But let's get into this here because we gotta talk about Steve Kerr and Kevin Durant beefing and pump the brakes a little bit, not so much, because it was more of a case of Steve Kerr's words being taken out of context. So he was on Logan Murdoch's podcast recently, and he said, quote, that last year was tough, talking about Kevin Durant's last season with the Warriors, but he did not mention Kevin Durant. He said that last season was, or that last year was tough. There was a lot going on, some that you know about and some that you don't. That was very difficult. A reporter happened to tweet out a little bit about the interview with that quote saying that Steve Kerr told Logan Murdoch that he enjoyed the last season more than Kevin Durant's final season with the Warriors, but Kevin Durant was never named. So Kevin Durant being on Twitter, not unusual as as he is right. Stumbles upon this tweet that has since gone viral. And he replies, this is hilarious. That tweet has also since gone viral. Steve Kerr comes out during a uh, post-game interview mm-hmm. where this wasn't even brought up. Pre-game. And brings it up yeah, pre-game. Himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or sorry, pregame. Brings it up himself, says that he's angry, uh, the quotes were taken out of context, X, Y, Z. So, Gerard, this is where you come in. What are your thoughts on this uh, little debacle here? Because you know everybody loves a narrative and you know everybody loves a beef even more. Mm-hmm. Well, so now people are saying that they're going head to head. And I think, Jenna, you hit the nail on the head, right? So Drew Schiller is the person who tweeted this out. Drew Schiller, Drew Schiller of Warriors World also uh, runs the NBC Sports uh, Warriors site. Mm-hmm. So 
this is a case of implying and inferring, right? Like Steve said, and he said this numerous times. This isn't the first time Steve and the players on that team have said that that last year was stressful, right? Like, right. And that's the thing about when you're a dynasty and you're winning titles and when you have Hall of Famer and those kinds of players on your team, not just Kevin Durant, but Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, uh, Andre Iguodala, those kinds of egos and big personalities to massage. That is a very different experience than, as Steve mentioned, last year's squad, which was literally all a bunch of rookies, first, second, <laughs> early year players, right? And guys trying to get their footing in the league. It's a very different environment, right? Those mm -hmm. guys are just hungry. They're learning. And so for Steve, it was a different experience because with the Warriors, when you have these elite talents, it's about winning, right? And every time something goes wrong, it's a national story for a week, right? Right. Oh, Kevin Durant did this. Oh, so-and-so didn't pass. Like, it's like, it's the end of the world. And that is stressful, right? And so Steve's point was like, last year we went 15 and 15 with no expectations because Steph got hurt. It was great, right? Like, right. Because you got to teach. There was, it was a different environment, right? Guys enjoyed being around each other. And that's the thing about dynasties. The reason why teams don't last long in, in terms of staying on top and winning eight, nine, ten years in a row, that shit gets tiring, okay? And being around the same people day after day for an extended season. Because remember, when you're going into the finals every year, you're playing late into June, right? So it is September to June all day, every day with the same people. That shit gets on your nerves, right? Like, think about, like, your your own work environment and where, like, not just you, but our, our, our listeners and people listen to us. Your coworkers get annoying as fuck, right? After a while, when you it's just it's just the hey. nature of how it goes, right? So add on top of that a coworking situation where we're competing for the ultimate prize. That it just wears itself out, right? And then, as Steve has mentioned, you know, we knew Kevin was leaving. He was starting to look for a different challenge, different things like that, right? So that was always, you know, it was always something that was a, a point of discussion in the media by people like us. Now, where Drew made his mistake was. Drew was clearly going for clickbait and to get people riled up and interested, right? Mm -hmm. Because if he just used what Steve said as a quote, nothing would have been new because that is something Steve has said a million times before in the last two years since Kevin has left. He said that flat out, that, that isn't new. But putting in, the, putting in his tweet that last year, quote that Kevin Durant played, it's it's about psychology and how people's minds work. First of all, it's Twitter, 280 characters, where no one actually reads in full context. So all mm -hmm. they probably saw was Steve Kerr loved last season when they sucked better than Kevin Durant. And then it spread like wildfire. And Drew knew exactly what he was doing. Exactly what he was doing. And he was wrong for that. And now Steve has to come out and be like, it was taken out of context, which it was. The whole point about that season being stressful is not a surprise to anyone. Again, no. Steve has said that a thousand times. So it, it wasn't new news. But again, because of the way Twitter works and because as people, right, we love drama. That right, that we like drama. We like the messy stories. That is what we like as people. Think about it. When you watch a show, you watch a show for the conflict, right? Conflict is what makes you come back. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, more dirt between Katie and the Warriors. And it's like, guys, the story is two years old now. Like, right. What are we doing? But the thing is, too, I mean, uh, do you enjoy the airplane that uh, is flying uh, above my apartment? 
This is real time, people. Real time. All, all, all the good stuff here in the in the big city. But anyway, on a real note, though, I mean, you're right. He knew what he was doing. I mean, your girl's been in that industry for a hot minute. So that is what we call classic clickbait. That one was an easy one, yeah. honestly. Good job, Drew. You know what's up. <laughs> Kidding. That wasn't cool. And he acknowledged it when he obviously saw Steve Kerr bring up the situation in a pregame interview that had nothing to do with what was going on. So he did tweet out, uh, Kerr called me out on Monday night during his media session with reporters, and I deserved it. And then that's when he tweeted an excerpt of Kerr's entire um, Quote. explanation mm -hmm. of what he said and not just a little bit of it with his own words. And he said, I should have tweeted Kerr's specific words. He called my, he said my, that my tweet was quote, terribly unfair and wrong and irresponsible. He is correct. I expressed that sentiment to him and apologized for my mistake during a phone conversation on Monday night. So he rectified the situation. It obviously stirred up a lot of drama because like we said, this narrative, this narrative is already here. It's just a matter of people putting fuel on the fire of it because it's been there forever. So when are they going to let it go? When are they not? But I mean, I think Katie did his due diligence in the Bay. So let yeah. it go. It, it's, Whatever also, happened, happened. It's also interesting happened. because this thing that Drew did is not, this isn't the first time he's done something like this. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So last, really? last calendar, Come on, Drew. last calendar year, um, Drew took something out of context that Bomani Jones, uh, ESPN's Bomani Jones said about Stephen Curry. And of course he took it and because the only thing you have to understand is who are the people who are on, who follow Drew Schiller religiously and it's Warriors fans, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this idea of getting the fan base riled up and fired up and right. And Drew is also a Warriors fan himself, right? And that's, mm -hmm. that's that thing, that fine line between fandom and journalism, right? Like, and so when you are a fan of a particular team, you still have those feelings and those attachments and you feel some kind of way, right? And there's all it's it's what's so funny to me about all this, Jenna, is like the Warriors fans, like it it's amazing how you go from outhouse to penthouse. And like once you're in the penthouse, you're like, oh, this is how it always is. And you're like, no, my dudes, basketball and the world of basketball existed before 2015 when you guys became good, right? Like Basketball existed before Steph Curry and will exist after Steph Curry, right? Like, I know that in your – as a fan, that's all they care about and their whole love. It's like, oh, my God. And it's like, dudes, as, as Steve has said numerous times, this, how you're playing now, this is what the actual NBA life is like, all right? Winning 60-something, 70 games every year and going to the final, that ain't real life because it's hard to do that. And for whatever reason – you know, the fan base needs something to get themselves ignited and riled up about and still stoke those old flames instead of mm -hmm. being like, look, be very happy. You had one of the greatest players of all time in Kevin Durant. Join your squad. You won two finals with him. And had he not got hurt, you probably would have three-peated. Right. So, like, I mean, just be, be happy with that and just move on. <laughs> like, move on. And last, um, last two things I'll say before we move on really quick, just because it's super important, I feel like, right now. First of all, Drew, I don't know Drew, um, so I don't want to speak about him, but I will say in general, we are in a, unfortunately, I've seen this as well, 
the line when you're a reporter be blurred a little bit of trying to be a friend of the athlete or the celebrity or trying to gain clout. We're in a clout chasing era that is just is what it is. But the second thing that I will say is also you can't do that kind of stuff anymore. Like people used to harassing um, players and anyone in like public figure just because they will call you out out of all people, Kevin Durant, like Drew should have used a little bit of little bit of history with that one but um it, it's just silly and it's also it's like it you know and and this is i'm not you know gonna come at logan murdoch and roger buck it's their joint podcast together about this but it's like if you got steve kerr as a guest like what is he going to say about the dynasty era that he hasn't already said like anything that came up out of there we've already heard that a million times like ask about new stuff this current season, what's going on? Like, what do you see the future as? Like, instead of consistently rehashing this Kevin Durant thing, it's like tired. And honestly, from a KD standpoint, this, you know, and again, it's not a situation where I'm like, KD's always right. But this is the point where I, where I side with KD and understand his point of view on this. Why are we still talking about this? It already happened like two years ago. Like, <laughs> why is this still a topic of discussion? It's over now. Move on. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly what we're going to do because we, we've exhausted it. But such a good conversation because it's a lot of interesting things that happen now on social media. But let's move on to more beef because <laughs> Tony Allen, if you guys were on social media today uh, and you didn't catch this, then I feel bad for you because Tony Allen and Draymond Green are beefing and it's absolutely incredible. And we had Draymond Green, of course, talking a big game on a recent episode of NBC uh, Sports Bay Area's The Dubs Talk podcast. And he basically goes on to say, I think I'm the best defender to ever play in the NBA. I stand. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's actually too funny. <laughs> okay. I think I'm the best defender to ever play in the NBA. I stand by that, that I'd put myself up against anyone. Well, there's that. So while many people found it interesting and had a lot to say, so did Memphis Grizzlies legend Tony Allen. Not anybody just, but Tony Allen is questioning your credentials on Twitter for the world to see. So first he hits him with, big cap, who stamped you? Who you clamp? In the words of Jay-Z, we don't believe you. You need more people. Draymond Green hits back. I was waiting on you to stamp me, big homie, but your stamp book started running low in 2015 when we used you against your team on the way to my first capital letters, championship. Tony Allen hits back like, yo, stamp book now because it's four on five out there right now, my boy. Hashtag call Clay. I, Ooh. if there, this takes the cake. I mean, we're only three months into 2021 and that's rich. Like <laughs> Tony Allen coming out of the woodwork. It's, like it, It's just funny. I mean, I'm going to start here. Look, it, everyone knows it. First of all, if you're going to be in the NBA, no matter who you are, if you're the number, if you're the best player in the NBA or if you're the 450th best, right? Like you have an ego, right? Because you know how good, yeah. you know how good you got to be at basketball to even think you can make this league. So everyone's mm -hmm. got an ego. And to be fair, right? Draymond, a defensive player of the year winner, all NBA defense. Like he is mm -hmm. a legit defender. And of this generation with the way defenses play with switching and everything that Draymond does, he is outstanding, right? Like, he is, many teams look for someone like Draymond 
to be able to do what he does when you are a championship level team. Someone who can help them switch one through five and who can help initiate offense, do all the things that Draymond does. Now, so, and I would expect Draymond to come out and be like, I'm the, because that's just who Draymond is. Now, do I yeah. agree that he's the greatest defender of all time in the history of the NBA? Pump the brakes, homie. I don't quite think so, right? But but I I don't I don't uh I don't sort of come at him for his his belief in himself. I do love Tony Allen sort of coming at him, being like, "Who you clamp, big dog?" Right? Like, and 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 I love that, right? Because Tony Allen, of course, a fearsome defender in his own right. And it's interesting because when we talk about defense, unlike offense, defense is a hard thing for us to quantify with our eyes, right? It's just very challenging blocks are easy to see right because you know what that looks like steals are easy to see but defense is so nuanced right and when you look at sort of context and advanced numbers and and, and the different things like that you know he is draymond he's good but like the idea that i'm the greatest of all time it's like all right my guy there's some other guys who've been pretty pretty good at defense as well but i just think it's funny i i, I love when sort of like you know guys get on twitter and you know, all in good fun, sort of go after each other and, and play a little bit. So I thought it was cool. I think it's epic. It's all fun. And I think that there was probably a private text exchange after that was probably. like, yo, homie, like <laughs> I'm this, I'm that. And they're going to go drink some like you say, and it's going to be fine. Like, that's how I see it happening yeah. in the world yeah. of athletes. And, and I think but, what's, what's funny about it now, of course, it's going to be like fans, right? That the, the, see, the beauty of when you like, quote unquote, beef on Twitter is when all the fans like jump into the mentions and start saying stuff. And I saw a bunch of funny stuff where people are like, oh, Draymond, you're the best defensive player of all time. And I saw somebody quote tweet it with a picture of Pascal Siakam being like, um, didn't this dude have you on skates in game six of the NBA finals? And I was like, yo, people wilding out here. Like, <laughs> Dead. And honestly, uh, what was it? I saw on the highlights the other night that Draymond was put on skates. Uh, I think it was by Christian Wood. <laughs> I think I, out of all people, it was hysterical. It's he just, almost pulled a hammy. I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's just funny. And, and to be, to be fair to Draymond, like, even if you're the greatest defender of all time, you're, you're not immune to getting cooked. Everybody gets no. cooked. Right. Like, because these are the best players in the world. Like, I mean, someone who I think is probably the defensive player of the year right now in Ben Simmons. I mean, Devin Booker lit him up for 30 points, you know, last month. Like, it, yo, you're 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 not going to shut these guys down every night. They're too good and too skilled. But I, it, it's just it's funny, though. So it's everyone have a good time on Twitter. Enjoy. <laughs> hey, hey, love it. Got to Got to love it. Let's move on to Toronto here because as you guys know or if you don't they're not playing well at all yeah. we're on a terrible I think what nine game losing streak right now and, and, and they, think- they they got there I mean they lost again and allowed the t- terrible Houston Rockets to snap their 20 game losing streak that's how you know it's bad that that's literally when you know it's bad 20 game losing streak. And the funniest part about it was, I don't even know what was worse that by Toronto or the fact that no offense, but the Rockets celebrating after like they had won the chip. Nah, man, you just snapped a 20 game losing streak. Get back to the lab. <laughs> Steven Silas, like get back. Don't hug John wall. Well, you know, even though, when you're, you know, it's a great time. I was gonna but say, you, no. you know, it's tough when you're, when, when you've lost 20 in a row and, and you get that one win, it feels so good. And I feel bad for Steven Silas, but anyway, that isn't the point I of, this, too. Uh, of yeah, this. No, for real discussion. that I, you can tell I'm passionate and went on my own rant there. Uh, <laughs> but really Nick nurse and Pascal Siakam, 
Our attention's brewing in Toronto. I mean, is it just a case of we're losing terribly and I'm putting up double-doubles every night and what's going on? Who knows? There comes a report out from Shams who says that Pascal was fined $50,000 after exchanging some heated words with Nick Nurse um, after a recent loss to Cleveland. Um, didn't we just shit on Cleveland last episode? Check that out. Anyway... <laughs> So what is really going on, though, in Toronto? Because now there are other reports saying that he's not been fined. They're evaluating things. Will he address it? What's what's the T in in the six? I mean, look, this is a team that, you know, last year they were still playing pretty good basketball, even without Kawhi Leonard. Right. Got it themselves, feels like they won a chip yesterday. Got themselves to the conference semis. Right. Uh, the year before, of course, uh, they won the NBA finals. Right. Uh, and. Again, it, it is <laughs> your fortunes change so quickly in this league, right? You go from <laughs> on top to literally no longer there in a matter of, you know, a blink of an eye. That's just how it is yeah. in this league because it's hard to yeah. stay there. Um, and, you know, part of it, Pascal was having some frustrations, right? He had a, a rough start to this year, um, was, yes. not a, was not an all-star this year as he was uh, the season prior, was struggling. Mm-hmm. And... You know, finding it hard to be the man on a team, right? Like it's different when you're the number two or the number three option. When you are the one, that's a whole different ball game, my friends. And you know, he was adjusting to that and struggling. And of course, this is competition, and these are all alpha males with egos, a lot of testosterone flowing. Like when you lose and things aren't going well, and in this case, Pascal, the reason why the the words were exchanged between him and Nick was Nick didn't play him down the stretch of that game. And Pascal probably rightfully is angry. He's like, we would have won if that's how any competitor would think. And so, you know, him and his coach have words. Guys, this goes on all the time in the NBA in every sport. Players and coaches have heated discussions or yell at each other all the time. It's just when you're competing, that's what happens. Uh, The question is in Toronto, really, what's the direction they're going as a franchise? Um, You know, they got Pascal. They got Fred Van Vliet. They got Chris Boucher. Are you keeping Norman Powell? Are you keeping uh, Kyle Lowry? You know, what is the future for this squad, right? And where are they going from here? And I think that remains to be seen come trade deadline, which is this Thursday. Exactly. And and that's the thing, too, really quick before we move on to trade news. Um, nobody's mentioning that that small detail, which I think is a huge detail that you just mentioned, that he didn't play him at the end of the game. They could have won. So... Of course that's going to happen. What are you, like, not going to confront each other, one another? No, I mean, like you no said, doubt. it happens all the time. Not to mention you're in the locker room all the time. Well, pre-COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID. So <laughs> you know what's up. But like you said, the trade deadline is this week, this Thursday, March 25th. This episode will be up on the 24th. So you guys will be fresh and informed to know what's going on and who's switching teams as as Drake once wrapped. Um, <laughs> gotta love it. But let's start with Victor Oladipo. So ESPN, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, is reporting that the Rockets are in heavy talks on several fronts with people to move Oladipo. He's been on the move, obviously, lately from the Pacers after that injury, so-and-so. But trade deadline is 48 hours away. What's going on with Victor? Uh, it looks like he'll get moved. Um, you know, right now the Knicks and the Heat are front runners, But, you know, they both have cap space, but they also realize – 
why push to get him now when we can just wait to get him this summer in free agency, right? Because he did not sign his extension with the the one that the Rockets offered him. So he'll be an unrestricted free agent um, once the season ends. And we know the Rockets ain't making the playoffs. So, I mean, <laughs> now the question is, though, if you're Miami and if you're New York, do you want to get him now because you think, for whatever reason, it'll help you make a deeper run into the postseason? More Miami so than New York. But I, honestly, this play-in tournament and the way in which teams are all jumbled together, particularly in the East, right? Like I said last mm-hmm. week, you go on a, a five, six-game win streak, you're right back in the thick of things. You go on a five, six-game losing streak, you're on the outside looking in, right? So it's very tight within there. And I think that's giving a lot of GMs a sense of false security that, ooh, we're not that far out. But in reality, you ain't really a championship contender, right? Like in the Eastern Conference, as it stands right now, there are only three teams that are legitimate contenders, right? And we know who they are. It's Brooklyn, it's Philly, and it's Milwaukee, right? Those are the only three teams that have shown all season that they are consistent enough to come out of the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. No no other team is, right? Now, it's not, it's not a guarantee that they're going to win the title, but that's what, the, that's what the, the games we've seen so far tell us. So if you're New York and if you're Miami, be happy, go to the playoffs, but why give away assets? And Houston's going to want draft picks and young talent back in return. Well, why give that up now while I can just wait and don't have to give up any of that? I can just sign him this summer. So, but... Woj seems to think he's going to get moved, and, you know, Woj, Woj generally knows these things, so. Woj is Woj. You know what's up. Him and Shams, always on it. And, uh, you know, my boy Gerard Hector over here, so don't don't sleep <laughs> on my boy. All right, moving on. Aaron Gordon requests a trade from Orlando. So we talked about this a little bit mm-hmm, last week. Mm-hmm. Where can he fit? Where does – what's going on? And – what's the rumblings about Boston that we're potentially Mm -hmm. hearing? Mm -hmm. Well, listen, you know, every year come trade season, we hear about who Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics are thinking about and how they, and then when it doesn't happen a month or two months later, it's how close the Celtics were to signing player X. It's like, listen, with the Celtics at this point, it's show me Uh, enough for the hearing about your interest. Unless I see it happen on the dotted line and I see Aaron Gordon in a Boston Celtics jersey. We don't believe you. You need more people, right? Like I'm not. I'm 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 done with that. Like, do I think Aaron Gordon will get moved? I do. Um, I have been talking to people who are close to the situation, and um, it was a. I might have actually said it on this show or on Troop. I talked about this coming into the season that don't be surprised if Aaron Gordon's moved. Um, Orlando, uh, we already know. I mean, they. It's yeah. Yeah, Wolf is right, but they they got young talent, right? Um, Aaron Gordon is still young, but. I think you can see what he is on a team with some better players um, mm-hmm. and some guys a little bit more established. Where he doesn't have to be the guy, right? But if mm-hmm. he's like, "Hey, I need you to shoot threes, do the," you know, think of him as like a supercharged Draymond Green, right? So I can do what Draymond can do approximately on defense, right? But I can do everything he can't do on offense, right? Like so, that might be a nice thing. So you can see why it's attractive, and Boston might want him. But again, I got to see it. So until then, talk to me later. (laughs) Love to hear it. Okay, another guy that we uh, talked about and previewed a little bit last week, point guard in the six, Kyle Mm -hmm. Lowry. Not to be confused with Kyle Lowry. It's Kyle. (laughs) So we talked about this, Gerard. 
it's just getting a little bit potentially old or, or like just overdone in Toronto. I mean, where can we utilize Kyle Lowry in the latter half of his career where he can really shine? And, you know, I just feel like it. he's hit his ceiling in Toronto. So, well, and that's the question, right? Does Kyle want to leave? You know, he loves it in Toronto. He is, you know, arguably the best player in Raptors history, right? Like he's, he's their franchise. Yeah. He's, you know, he's been there so long. But what does Kyle want to do? Does he want to compete for a championship in the twilight of his career? Because guess what? He is on a, on the right team. He is enough to put you over the top. And he's like, oh, now I like them. Oh, I talked about it last week. Kyle on the Clippers. Yeah. Like, if he's their point guard, yeah. Uh, Kyle could help the And we said they need a point guard. They do. Kyle could help the 76ers. Kyle could help the Miami Heat, right? Like, I mean, th- these are teams where... You put Kyle Lowry on there, oh, now we're talking, right? Because he can create his own shot. He'll get you into your offense. He can shoot open threes, right? He can defend all, all, mm-hmm. all those little things you need to do to win the winning plays. And you know I hate that cliche shit, but the winning, those things matter, right? Drawing charges. like And the other big thing, too, about veterans like Kyle Lowry, he knows where he's supposed to be at all times. The value in that. I think, again, the average fan doesn't really grasp that. It's like, why do, no. rook- why do rookies struggle so much? Because they don't know where they're supposed to be on the floor. They're always mm-hmm. out of position, right? Because it's a, the game is fast and it's moving so quickly. But when you're a vet like Kyle Lowry, the game is slow to him. He, I know exactly where I got to be on every possession. Defensive, I know my rotational assignments, all those different things. I know how to space properly on offense. So late in games when all that stuff is crucial... Mm-hmm. He's a high IQ player you want on the floor. So that is of tremendous value to a team trying to win a championship, right? Now, <laughs> the question is, if you are the Raptors, well, what kind of value can I get back, number one? And what are teams willing right. to give up? If you're on that ver- and you're right there, listen, you're going to do it. Now, the, the tough part with Lowry is the contract, right? Like, it's a lot of money to move. So you have to send back a lot of salary to match. So mm-hmm. teams are, you know, only so many teams have the ability to be able to match it contract wise. So we'll see. We shall see. That's going to be interesting, though, because I can really see him thriving in Miami, too. And him and Jimmy Butler. Oh, I think oh, yeah. Kyle Lowry just blends. Oh, that is the vibe. I mean, pfft. right. If, if he's there, look, out. I'm, I then might say, OK, Miami is now that fourth team in the East. And I'm like, they can come out of the East. 100 percent. 100 percent. I have exhausted this point so much, but I might as well just do it a little more. When you have Jimmy Butler on your team, anything can happen. No I doubt. said it. No That's doubt. it. No doubt. Done. I said it. All right. Let's talk about Norman Powell because I feel like you may have some insight into this because Brian Woodhurst is reporting that the Nets may be looking at him. So what's I mean. going on? Another Toronto guy. Um, yeah. What's going on with Norman over there? Again, it's about for Toronto, it's are, are they resetting? Is it like, okay, forget about this playoffs this year. Let's just get rid of these guys, get some value back. We know who we have in our young talent. Again, Boucher, Van Vliet, Siakam. We'll get picks. We'll get, you know, we'll, we'll have our own draft pick. We have cap space and we'll retool mm-hmm. this thing for next season, right? Norman Powell, super sub off the bench, right? Can score. Brooklyn doesn't need more scoring off the bench. That's not, right? That is not a position of need for them right now. Now, people are saying, well, you got the Landry Shaman injury. Yeah, is he an upgrade over Shaman? Of course he is. But, you know, do 
what do the Nets have to give up that, you know, Toronto's going to want? That's the question. What, a, a number two pick and what? And to make the salaries match. I'm not sure, right? So the Spencer Dinwiddie is you, if you're Spencer Dinwiddie, who has a player option, which you will most surely decline at the end of the season and become an unrestricted free agent, is that, is Spencer Dinwiddie and his ability to use his bird rights in a sign-in trade, is that valuable enough if you're the Raptors? And if you're the Nets, is Norman Powell, is that a good enough thing to get back in return? Uh, maybe. But again, if you're the Nets with, with Dinwiddie, the challenge there is if he's going to walk anyway this summer, you better get back something as opposed to nothing, right? So it's possible. But more offense, Nets don't need any of that. But, you know, we'll see. Dinwiddie could be interesting um, in another a number of other other trades they do um, before Thursday. At this point, the Nets roster seems like it's literally 30 teams long. <laughs> the whole entire league. Is, that's what it feels like. Honestly, that's what it feels like after they accumulate so many stars. Also, uh, Twitter today, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, tweeted, just got out of a rehab session and found myself trending. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Trade. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Bogdan Bogdanovich. Are you proud of me? Didn't flub I like that it. Name I like it. Like I usually do. You know how many times I just read that while you were talking? Uh, I, I, I bet you, you were struggling. Yeah. You're like Bogdan, Bogdan, not Boyan, Bogdan, Bogdan. It was a tough one, but your girl came out on top. <laughs> All right. But rumors about uh, him. He's on the Hawks. Where can he best be suited? A lot of people are saying he could even fit in the Bay. Yes. The Warriors, of course, is what everybody's hearing. I mean, again, but that's about. What is it the Warriors are trying to accomplish, right? Again, this is it's like a broken record, but Bogdanovich isn't going to make you a finals contender, right? So, okay, you get Bogdanovich in what? Mm, you scare some people in the first round. You might even upset somebody in round one, and you get to round two. Okay, but is that worth it? I, mm -hmm. Maybe. What do you have to give up in return to get that? Again, see, that's the thing. But again, you when you're a GM, and this is why those guys get paid the money they do, it's realized actual talent versus future projected talent, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say you got to give up a draft pick to get to get Bogdan. All right. We don't know what that draft pick could be. Is that draft pick going to be good, as good as Bogdanovich is right now, today? I don't have a crystal ball. Couldn't tell you. And if you get Bogdanovich... Does he fit in with the Steph, Clay, uh, and uh, James Wiseman timeline? Because odds are you're gonna have to move Wiggins and or or, or um, Kelly Oubre, right? And mm -hmm. if I'm Atlanta, I don't know that I want Oubre or Wiggins. If I'm being honest, mm -hmm. I want that Minnesota draft pick. But if I'm the if I'm the Warriors, hell no. Why am I giving you that? Who knows? Who knows? It's a tangled web, Jaron. Mm. Tangled web. It is. It is. And let's talk about Lonzo Ball mm. because, interestingly enough, the Magic Johnson was on first take this morning. <laughs> I watched it in real time. I watched the reruns. I watched the tapes. He said, quote, there's no point guard in the league whose basketball, basketball IQ is higher than Lonzo Ball, end quote. Those were his words. Lonzo Ball is currently in rumors to be traded from the Pelicans. Now, he had these rumors, like we said in the beginning of the season, when he wasn't playing as well, makes a shift recently. Now he's averaging, what, 15 points, 4.3 rebounds, 6 assists, and 
He's made a change. Shooting so it well from three. He, huh? Shooting it well from three. Right, right. And, of course, his passing is elite. We know that. But this IQ um, quote has me has me uh, thinking here. So who? what's going on with Lonzo Ball? Where would he fit? And is a team really getting somebody with a high IQ like this that Magic Johnson vouches for? Um, Magic Johnson was my favorite player growing up as a kid. So far be it for me to disrespect or wrong, wrong word, disagree with the legend. But, you know, Magic loves just getting on TV shows and saying wild shit. Like, he does, not have, he does not have the best IQ in the NBA. Now, he does have a very high basketball IQ, however. And mm-hmm. Lonzo would be perfect on the Clippers. Again, a point guard who can handle the ball, get you and initiate and into your offense. The other thing that people don't realize is being the lead ball handler for a team, taxing, stressful, mm-hmm. right? Lonzo can take that off of the hands of Pat Beverly, who ain't that great at that. And you don't want Paul and Kawhi having to do that all the time. So they can just get it, as I said last week, get into what they do. He can knock down open shots. He's shooting 40% plus from three this year, right? He can Mm -hmm. defend. On a championship team, he's perfect. He's a ball mover, not a ball stopper, right? When you give him the ball, it doesn't stick. He moves and finds the open guy, which is what you need. So he would be perfect on a team like that. He'd also do well on the Knicks, right? I mean, a backcourt of him and Emmanuel Quigley would be quite nice. And it would match up timeline-wise with R.J. Barrett, right? The other young guys on that team. It, it would be nice there. I, I, look, keep an eye on that on Lonzo. I think if he goes to a team like the Clippers, that could, things get real interesting in, mm-hmm. in L.A. And even if he goes to the Knicks, that, that's a nice piece for them. And then you have to think about, okay, what am I going to offer him? Because he'll, you have to pay him. He's up for his, uh, for a contract extension, right? So mm-hmm. what, what's, the, what's the market going to look like for that? Probably somewhere in the four-year, 80 to 90 million range is what I would gather. Somewhere around there. It's hmm. a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. Uh, well, we shall see. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Lonzo Ball. I feel like, he was the number one pick came mm-hmm. out and everybody expected so much for him to be a star. And then you go to the Lakers mm-hmm. where the spotlight is 10 times hotter than anywhere else. And then, you know, bounced around a bit. So hopefully, uh, you know, he finds his home as they say. Super talented, yeah. So let's move on here. Last but not least, John Collins of the Hawks, because this is interesting. So the athletic reported that they're asking for a steep price for him Apparently went to the Celtics and wanted Jalen Brown. So that ain't, that ain't happening. What? <laughs> that ain't happening. Huh? <laughs> I mean, John Collins is good, right? He's a 2010 guy. Like, but you ain't getting Jalen Brown. Stop. But Jalen Brown? Yeah. I mean, you saw the Kings tried to offer them offer them uh, Harrison Barnes. Oh no, Marvin Bagley. Excuse me for uh, for John Collins. I was like, yeah, nah, that that ain't happening either. Look, it, oh, Marv- it's. Collins is a good player, but the question is his fit with Trey Young and what they want to do there. Collins is another guy, helpful to a contending team. You know, we always look at players in terms of where they are and what they've always done, but when they get somewhere else with elevated people around them and the role around them is, no, you don't got to be the man here. I need you to knock down open threes, rebound, defend, whatever it may be. How does that change? How does that perception of them change, right? How does their value change? It'll be interesting. My guess is Collins probably stays in Atlanta just because they're going to want a lot back in return. And I don't know 
if teams are going to be willing to give up a lot for him. It's going to be interesting. I, I just can't believe it, Drive. We have 48 hours. Mm, yes. 48 indeed. hours. Indeed. I mean, I may have to sell some of my jerseys after this. <laughs> or just buy new <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, your girl will be up in that. All right. Sad, sadly, we do have to report as well on injuries. Mm-hmm. And if you guys have been living under a rock, you wouldn't know that I have been floating in my own tears. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> LBJ, LeBron James, my guy, only suffered like negative 12 injuries in his entire career, has a high right ankle sprain. And you know what? Didn't need to go down like that. Did you watch the tapes? Didn't have to happen. I did. Damn I it. Did. <laughs> and now it's like in scary, crucial times because these types of injuries, the dreaded high ankle sprain, is is scary um it's it's troublesome and it takes a while to recover especially since he's never experienced this injury right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know we're figuring out a bunch of firsts here with lbj but it's it, it's a time because it's it ain't early anymore people no we, we're, we're we're almost two and we thirds. have anthony davis out yep we're almost two-thirds of the way through the season this is the dreaded high ankle sprain this isn't so it's not normally when you go out and you roll your ankle right lebron's done that before that's easy. You can come back from that no problem. The high yeah. ankle sprain is a very different thing and can lead to other potential uh, more harmful injuries later on. Look, if he's going to miss significant time, three, four weeks, and Anthony Davis's return is still up in the air, that's a problem for these Lakers, right? Because now you're talking about Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell. I mean, all fine players, but KCP. But this team is built around LeBron James. And Anthony Davis, and really what LeBron does to unlock what everybody else does well. Well, he ain't mm-hmm. there now. So who's going to unlock those things from those guys, right? So it'll it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, you know, and I really think that LeBron's superhuman. He's all. It's like, look, we said this at the beginning of this season. The way that this compressed schedule with these amount of games is problematic, and the load these players are putting on their body, right, is problematic. And when you're coming back from these injuries. You want to be able to come back and have the strength be where it was pre-injury. Well, that takes time. You don't just take a day off and then, no, no, no. you got to work the strength and all that stuff back up. So we'll see. If I'm, if I'm in Lakerland, I'm not, I'm not panicking, but I'm keeping, I'm keeping an eye out. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely not panicking yet. I mean, it's more of concern for my king, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm not panicking yet. The only thing that is... It, it sucks, literally, for L.A. is that Anthony Davis was out. Now LeBron's out. So it's kind of like you're losing them both mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in chunks of time where, yeah. like, we need to be using this time to get ourselves ready, ready for another chip. I mean, the one thing I'll say is that for the Lakers, it doesn't matter where they get seeded. And honestly, if it's, if they drop to, like, you know, four, five, six, it just sucks for the teams that are, you know, in those spots that would have to play them. You know what I mean? Like, so... That's all. Last question uh, on this topic, but are you concerned about LeBron James's MVP candidacy? Not that he's advocating, but his MVP ranking. I mean, he's a lead candidate. Um, I'm not because shocking to you, he's not my MVP. I, I, I oh, mean, to good. well, to me, the two best players, and and, and I want to be clear about, and actually, tune into my. Twitter, Facebook, and all the different feeds I have. I am doing a new video series for True Hoop, and I discuss this very topic. 
MVP and all the stuff that we work, worry, you know, we work ourselves into a frenzy about. Anyway, it's a quick minute video, so make sure you get on my feeds and check it out. To me, the best players in the league this year, not the best players in the world, but the best players in the league this year have been Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Those are the two MVPs to me. It's not LeBron James. So I, you know, so him being out, that's not, that's not hurting his MVP. Again. And if you look at the numbers, right, all the numbers tell you that Nikola and Joel Embiid are the MVPs. Whether they are your counting stats, points per games, rebounds, assists, whether they are your advanced stats, which are win shares per 48 or just total win shares, period. I mean, Nikola Jokic is far and away the MVP this season, and it ain't close. It ain't close. <laughs> My friends here, I'd be like, did you hear that? <laughs> Listen, it's fine. It's fine. Le LeBron can win a title and be finals MVP, or as I suggested in my video, well, you guys tune in to watch. You'll see what I suggested. But, you know, the, the MVP is about the best player in the regular season. And thus far to where we are now, it has been Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. And Joel's hurt right now, so it's Nikola Jokic. Sorry. <laughs> God, another topic of Joel Embiid being hurt, but we can't get into it because we have too much shit going on. Mm. All right. But for real, last note, watch that series, guys. It's super good. It's super dope. Not just saying this because he's on the screen right now, but Gerard actually knows what he's talking about Appreciate and has that. really good insight. It's it's really good. And I love the idea of the one minute videos. You know me and my attention. Uh, yeah, you, I, I yes. just need a quick hit. Exactly. You know? I got you. Quick hits just That's for you, it. man. That's it. For real. Tune in. Let's talk about LaMelo Ball here really quick because I am, I feel as though a little bit like um, I potentially could have jinxed him um, for this fracture in his was it right wrist mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. he underwent successful surgery the hornets have said he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks interesting timetable because that's pretty quick he's a rookie and you know we want to protect him mm -hmm. which i i just think it's interesting because it's not as though the hornets are contending for no, they're, they're not contending but they're i mean they're a playoff team right now look I, true true but I said really quick, I feel like I jinxed it because I, I said last episode something like, you know, Alonzo Ball might be pissed that his brother is like up in, up in the rankings. And now I'm like, oh, God, LaMelo, no. <laughs> no, it's... You know how I get. I was emotional. <laughs> it's sad for us as people who watch the NBA, sad for the Hornets and their fan base. Look, mm -hmm. remember we talked about like which teams you watch on League Pass? And we we're like, mm -hmm. oh, man, Charlotte. You know, Charlotte was a League Pass darling this season. I love turning in to watch Charlotte because LaMelo is so good. And I said. So good. And I said, I was wrong. I was like, this dude, this kid is way better than I thought he'd be. His, his teammates love, actually, to shout out that, like videos, that, that video series again. I talked about LaMelo Ball in the first episode of that video series. He's excellent, man. And it's, it's really a shame. Look, if I'm Charlotte, I ain't rushing this back. Like, I know he's going to want to play. Right. I know you want to, like, have playoffs for your fans and give them something to be excited about. And I get it. When you've been this inept for so long, you don't want to keep making things terrible for your fan base. However, yeah. think long term, man. Like, just let him come back next season. Because, again, build up the strength again in the wrist and in the muscles around there, right? Like, right. and then, because we don't want to suffer something again or just to rush back and get into the, for what? Like, yeah. no, like, it's okay. Let them come back next season, and then Charlotte's got something to build on, man. I, I like what they have there. I really do. So hopefully LaMelo, LaMelo will be back better than ever. 
Right. Same. He's, he is phenomenal. I mean, all of the boxes are checking with him. I mean, like you said, the teammates love him. He's got a great attitude. Good set of teeth too on the kid. Um, <laughs> just had to say it, but yeah, I mean, it's working out and you know what, like we've said on this podcast before, I'm glad he went to, I'm glad he went to Charlotte and not, you know, LA some big market or, or yeah, some yeah, big yeah. market. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Hope he gets well soon. I mean, the kid was is in the running for rookie of the year. I mean, yeah. he's leading all the rookies in assists. Um, everything. I think, uh, everything, mm-hmm. right? All mm-hmm. categories. So, yeah, get well soon, Lamelo. We're rooting for you, buddy. And last but not least, here on a somber note, we have to acknowledge the upsetting and devastating passing of NBA and Lakers legend and Clippers executive Elgin Baylor, who passed away from natural causes at the age of 86. I mean, the name itself is associated with greatness. We don't need to go over his illustrious resume, but I mean, man, do you have a couple words to say about the great Elgin Baylor? I mean, as you said, this guy is an NBA legend. Um, He, in many ways, is the first true superstar in the NBA. Um, Elgin was very instrumental in, uh, civil rights and different things and, and, and helping players afford the luxuries that they have today. Um, this is a man who was in the army and could only play in the NBA on weekends and was still averaging like 37, 11 and like, like, what, like ridiculous numbers. Come on. Scored 60 and 70 points in a game, by the way, when they didn't have a three point line, like this guy, like, Elgin Baylor, like again, you know, and I don't, I don't want to be old man on lawn here, like, and I, I'm really not, but like, yo, like, you young kids on Twitter who love to only think basketball started like in 2015, like, or like, with Michael Jordan right, on, right. or LeBron James, exactly, and on. like, go do your homework, man. Learn mm-hmm. about these legends. Like, if you truly love this game, learn about these legends because mm-hmm. these current superstars, we don't have them unless we have the forefathers that came before them, right? Like Baylor, Roberts, and all these guys beget the guys who, who the Jordans of the world, the, the Magic Johnsons, right? And then beget the current guys. That Know your Great. history, man. Know your history. So rest in peace to uh, Elgin Baylor and uh, condolences to the Baylor family. Yes, uh, absolutely. And educate him, Gerard. Educate well, him. Listen, I'm telling man. you, I think I see you. I see you in many years <laughs> after this. Um educating college students. Let me teach on, y'all about the history of basketball. <laughs> on sports. Anything. I would take your class. Man, you know how much I hear? I'm over here like stealing your lines daily. Oops, sorry. You didn't mean to tell you that. Um, But, you know. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. I, I'm well aware of you stealing my lines. Well, folks, uh, trade deadline's Thursday. We'll be back next week, obviously, with um, recapping of whatever's going to happen. But you know new where to find. New places. Uh, of, of course. You guys know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We are at 7 Footers Pod on Twitter, at 7 Footers Podcast on Instagram, at JS Hector, at Jenna Lemon Sully, and we will see you guys next week. Peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Tryna have a plan that we may come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't wanna trap, what's a man gon' do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Ride around 10, came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do